Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Cut the Clichés, where we look at entrepreneurship in emerging technologies. I'm very excited this week as I got to sit down with one of my favourite people in the Sydney startup scene, and that is Veb Namburi, um, or V for people who can't pronounce his name like myself. Uh, now, he must be one of the biggest contributors in the local ecosystem through his online musings, the events that he runs, and also workshops too. V is the founder of 5 to 1, an emerging tech consultancy, which has been building applications for the likes of News Corp and PwC for years, and even most recently, a blockchain solution for the UN. He's also working on an anonymized automated recruitment platform for engineers, and that's where we kick off, actually. He talks to us about how he got into the industry and what he does in there. We talk about how to differentiate yourself in business, the marketing methods that he's used in his business, how to harness social media. We also cover what's next in emerging tech in the next 12 months, um, ethics and AI, challenges he's faced with building his businesses, including branding, problem solving and growth marketing, and some of the biggest lessons that he's learned and why he continues to focus on marketing then the importance of simplicity, messaging, and trust in business. Um, we close, as always, by looking at the cliches which he'd like to banish from the industry, and we even managed to stray into a conversation around jam sandwich addiction. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. As ever, if you have any feedback on topics that you'd like to see covered, then leave a comment on our blog page. If you like what you hear, or even if you're just bored on the bus and want something to do to keep you busy until your next stop, leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to us on, and your first drink at the next event is on me. Thank you very much. See you soon. So welcome to Cut the Clichés. I'm your host, Liam Fitzpatrick. With me today, I have the one, the only, V. V, how are you? Really, really good. Thank you for having me. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. So V is the founder of uh, both Ladder and also 5 to 1 agency that's been around for the last couple of years in Sydney, which is where we are today. Uh, v, perhaps you can give us a bit of an explanation about what the companies do and um, kind of how you got into the, the industry you're in. Yeah, for sure. First of all, me and Liam know each other for almost what, two years now? Yeah, it's getting on to that. Yeah, yeah. a long, long time. Liam's we even, need video with this. Yeah, <laughs> you've even duplicated almost, or you multiplied. Liam has a baby as well, which is great. <laughs> but so very quickly, background of the two companies, um, I think that's what you asked, right? Um, so Ladder is uh, a smart hiring platform for engineers only. So we made the entire process super seamless and uh, we've gotten up a lot of noise. It's by engineers for engineers. Uh, you should check it out. It, it brings a lot of magic. It, if you're a company looking to hire, you almost know the engineer before you've even met them. We use a crazy amount of data points to work out whether they will actually be happy at the job. Uh, things like, oh, dude, I like dogs. Um, I only want to work five minutes away from the office. Small things that make all the difference. And on the and, and engineering side, it's even better because things like having to redo your tech tests or 
talking about you know what drives you every single time you can pre-record that upload that into a profile and basically create an online identity where you're always in the driver's seat because companies apply to you so so that's the main benefit right if you're a, if you're an engineer you're saving time and yeah. getting directly through yeah. to who you want and if you're uh, an Company, employer yeah. you're again saving time, time but then hopefully saving any rehiring time absolutely. as well absolutely right it's lower acquisition costs and mm-hmm. higher retention and on the engineering side or as an engineer it's um, less effort of work to get the job that you want and more so you're always honest with what you're trying to get you're, you're not intimidated talking to someone in the interview saying hey you know i want this salary it's very different when you just claim it on a, on a profile saying this is what i want let's talk to it so yeah um getting rid of that so only interested parties come together absolutely right you're, you're making sure everything's contextual right you're not everything is contextual um and with tiny things like oh we, we've added a smart profile what a smart profile does is it your a job a company is always applying to you in perspective of a job so your profile actually reshuffles itself based upon who's looking at your profile so well, let's say a comeback is looking at your profile or a bank is looking at it then it automatically highlights everything financially that you've done so it always makes you look good without yeah. exactly not lying but it always makes you look good so Perfect. so automated recruitment is kind the future, of future right? yeah so <laughs> pretty cool stuff that we're doing but you know time will tell um, where it's taking us and 5 to 1 agency that I started honestly started it as myself then expected to grow grew to 12 people at its peak um and we've worked with all sorts of, you know, the, the large corporates, the small companies. We've built blockchain projects. That's how we got involved and been doing machine learning projects as well and just large-scale web apps and mobile apps. So that's that's the agency. Nice. Well, look, that's the introduction. Um, but today we're going to be talking around emerging tech as yeah. that's pretty much where your consultancy yeah. grew from. Yeah. How did you get involved in the space? What drew you to it? Yeah. How did you start? Yeah, fair enough. I think emerging tech, like you said, is an umbrella of blockchain, AI, microservice infrastructure, blah, blah, so much so much stuff, right? Um, a group term, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I suppose there's there's interconnection between all of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all correlated to one the other. It's not one isolated to the other. And I think the harmony actually comes in when you make everything work together than yeah. just have one just by itself. Um, you know there's being in blockchain you just can't have one blockchain system it doesn't work you need to match it with like a pre-existing internal system uh so the reason or any technology choice yeah. needs to be from a here's my collaborative problem, point, yeah where's the solution, solution. and don't just think right if you need to force it. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. go you never force technology i think that's a principle that i've always spoken to people about is technology is an enabler keep treat it as an, an enabler, not a decisive factor. You want to get somewhere, technology will enable you to get there. You don't say that technology will get you somewhere, right? Um, you, it's you, not a destination. It's not a destination, itself. absolutely yeah. not. Like, um, think about your product as being the, um, I don't know, let's take Hawaii as an example, and technology being the plane that gets you there. The technology is obviously, you, you hope to get a great first class seat, but the journey, is you know um and but you can get there on a budget airline <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah. you you get you know and that's a you said it well you you get what you pay for so and that's what software as well it's it's not a one solution fit all problem yeah um and the reason why i got into it was simple because um, i was like okay let me work on traditional systems and then i looked in i was like if i really want to stand out and be different um people have experience equivalent to my age there's no way I can come in and have a unique proposition in anything saying I'm better at someone 
than this. That's what you need to do as a business or anything, any product, right? That you're doing marketing consulting. You you don't go into the market bashing your competitors. You go in saying, screw them. I'm actually just myself as an isolated individual. I'm great at what I do. I don't yeah. care about what the competitor does. So um, I could not achieve that with the traditional environment. Not that I don't respect it. I obviously trained myself in that when I went to, you know, previous companies, university, blah, blah, blah. But for me to stand out as a product shop, not an agency, how, how do I build cool tech for people that is not just cool because it's cool, but it's it helps a company that I'm building the project for. And that's where emerging technology really came in. It helped stand out and also helped solve a problem based on you know what the the new world was facing much like technology is very evolutionary much like ourselves you know you build for what the world needs you can't just say okay just because it worked then it's going to work now sure you can always do that but you need to have a progressive mindset at the same time um, that doesn't mean you you take on the new tech just because it's new tech there's you take on it because it's faster or that's because what your customers want if your product is working the way it is and you're delivering product on time the way you have to stick to what you have that you yeah. clearly got you know something happening but if you want to increase your time to deliver like reduce your time to delivery you want to make sure the first bite that shows up in the customer's page is super quick or blah 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 in that case look at new options yeah right? um, or first see if you can fix it with what you have right now and if it's you can't then just go with something new more, more often than not, you can't. <laughs> but That's how I, the world works. Well, right? so the yeah. consultancy side of things, how did you skill yourself up in, yeah, that, yeah. in that space? Because obviously it's new. Yeah. People yeah. might not have university degrees yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do you go about or advice for listeners? Yeah, how for they sure. can... if you If you're a consultant or you're starting, you want to start an agency, it's 200 times higher than starting a product, mainly because you're, let's face it, you're, you're trading... You initially start by trading dollars for time, mm -hmm. but your goal should be to eventually evolve that to value for time. Because that's when you can really start saying, hey, customer, this is my value proposition and I'm charging you, let's go with the arbitrary number, I'm charging you $1,000 an hour, not because it's something, it's because I've accumulated all this experience over the past two, three years to condense that into one hour's worth of you know collective information. So if you're starting an agency, you try your level best to make it a pull effect instead of a push effect. You really need to be into the market, really throw yourself out there, man. I used to get told all sorts of shit when I, because I used to write a lot in city startups and I would get hammered on that group. Um, I think you've got as thick a skin as most people in PR. Actually. Yeah, you, you have, have to. <laughs> put yourself out there. Yeah. And, uh, you have to, right? Yeah. And I think that's one thing is when you're a freelancer, you need to really work out why you're different from most and always hone into your previous experience. I think when we caught up, I was really attracted to your previous experience and the companies you worked at. I was like, okay, great. You've done something. You were with this firm for a period of Y to Z and you clearly help them come to a certain point. So maybe you can help me as well. Mm -hmm. um, so very similarly, so really, really hone in on whatever experience you have, whether it's like one project or two, you're just starting outside of uni, put your group projects out there, I don't know, do, do something, right? Um, and you have to make yourself look bigger than you are. Never use the word <laughs> I, always use the word we. Yeah. Um, tiny hacks like use Skype to get a Australian landline number that redirects to your phone. That makes them think like you've got a landline number and uh, really start believing in the concept of compounding and what i mean by that is that's why social media is important is because when you're doing you're not on social media and you're doing a sale uh, the chance of you closing a deal is just 
high as you closing deal be. It should not be the case, right? Where you should progressively always have an increased chance of closing project. And that comes from the concept of compounding. And what I mean by that is very similar to getting a job. If you're applying for four jobs at one time, chances are that you getting job four is the same as you getting job one, correct? But you need to switch that mentality around and say, okay, for each job, I'm going to write a blog post. Or I'm going to write a tiny project. Sure, you will not get job one. Sure, you might not get job two. But by the time you hit job three, now you've got three articles behind your back. You've got mm-hmm. three projects and you basically systematically reduce your chance of failure. So similarly, so with freelancing as well, you should systematically reduce your chance of failure every single time and make it attractive for people to come and use your service at every yeah. point in time, right? Well put, I'd say, for all those freelancers <laughs> yeah. out there. Um, start making content that you can yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes, again, that it's, I've read so many books now because <laughs> um, I think perfectionism is the devil of all. Yeah. Um, and we've dealt with this, right? You and me, because you've helped me with some really cool articles. Reach out to me, and by the way, if you need help, um, <laughs> um, I can definitely recommend it. Uh, Deadlines is, are the enemy, but they're also your friend. Yeah, they make you work hard. Right? Absolutely. And something is better than nothing is what I'll go with. Obviously, it doesn't mean it has to be dog shit. You just don't put something out there that will hurt your, your brand, but put it out with something that might have a few spelling mistakes, might have something, but the point is put across. Because if you're, let's say you're a marketer and you're chasing a marketing client, in that case, make sure your English is great. Maybe you, you can maybe not hone in as much on the technical side. But, and likewise, so if you're, if you're a tech agency, maybe your English isn't the best, but you're proving your point that you know your software or you know what you're doing. So really just get out to the market. Don't chase perfectionism. It's never achieved. And you will it's rather have something out than rather have nothing. Yeah, and learning from mistakes, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. If you don't make mistakes through the, yeah. the content that you're putting out, then yeah. you're not or marketing or whatever it is, then you're not going to get to where you need to quicker. Absolutely. And the one thing I love about software is like it's a definitive, you know what it's going to work or not. But I think what I've been learning about marketing over the past year and a bit is it's all about, it's unfortunately all about experimentation. You don't know what the audience wants until the audience sees it. And you you never have the the variety of audience because, you know, you don't have the data sets or blah, blah, blah. But I think... It, those are all excuses. Um, there's 1.8 million Australians that log into Facebook every single day. Mm. If you write the right content, you put your ad out there, someone will see it. I think Gary Vaynerchuk said this really well. If you're a B2B company, don't chase the executive. They're probably not on Facebook, right? Or they might not even use it. What you should do is target everyone around that executive, right? Target every one of those and, and tell them that this product is great. So then they will reach out to your ex- the actual person you're going to chase and say, hey, this product actually looks pretty cool. And that is a two-stroke one solution because your executive who's your target is now approached via a warm lead or someone they trust. So the whole micro-influencer mindset where I would rather listen to my you know, VP of blah who I've trusted for a product suggestion than a Facebook ad, right? So you know, there's always excuses you can make up saying, I did myself. I was like, I... I don't think I'll ever reach to executives, but if you look back and think, there's always things you can do to actually go out there. So, influencing those that can influence others, basically. You said that well. So, some of this might be one on one marketing. I just didn't know about this, right? I Um, think at the base level, it's it's the essence of good communications, getting other people to sell your story for you, which is what PRs do with journalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, sorry. To yeah. actually add on to one last thing, what you said, right, is uh, with the deadlines thing, I actually caught up with um, the. Uh, I'm really good friends with the executive team of Society One, and uh, one of the guys who's great, his name is Jonathan Chen. Um, he's a CEO there. He said something really, really cool, which was, um, "What gets measured gets done." <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, that is so true." Okay. Um, if you measure something, it gets done, whether you like it or not. It's it's a very businessy Harvard Business School sort of you know mentality, KPI, blah blah, but. Try it yourself. Just look back. Um, you put a to-do list. You're measuring it. Does it get done? Yes, it does. If you just think in your head, maybe I'll do it. Then mm. it gets done. So everything should be process-driven. Everything should be strategic. And you'll get Goal-orientated by something yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, so emerging tech space, mm. what mm. has interested you in the last kind of 12 months? Where do you think the white space is? Because we've had a lot around blockchain yeah, yeah, yeah. technology. We've had a lot constant humdrum of AI mm. and its various mm. definitions mm. where do you think what's what's next yeah what's for sure next? well starting off with blockchain right? I think that will still exist and carry on and came in and did the hype it had to do to bring in the damage that it had to make but yeah. you like it or not um, a lot of people are, just, are using it including Facebook if I'm not wrong uh, Facebook's looking into using um, blockchain for it's its authentication those Facebook yeah right um, that doesn't mean crypt- like I said um, a lot of people keep uh, conflating or combining cryptocurrency with blockchain it's a cryptocurrency is a offset off blockchain but mm-hmm. it is definitely not the main utility um, Maersk the shipping company they just went straight past this whole crypto thing and they actually implemented their entire system if I'm not wrong runs completely on blockchain is for the past two years sorry no Maersk the, the global shipping company they're the yeah. largest in the world um, I don't know where they're from yeah, I um, think there's a few ports around the world um, that uses blockchain right. technology well it's fair well. enough yeah. yeah so I mean their typical example is just one pass the noise like I don't care about this token token thing but I'm just going to go straight build the infrastructure behind it so I think that's great but artificial intelligence is like you know like we spoke right before it's um, what blockchain was as a hype was AI for the past 10 years um, in its easiest form what artificial intelligence is and there's many definitions out there but to me it's basically something that mimics human behavior simple right the same decision patterns that I would take to maybe it's time for me to call someone if the computer does the same thing that is what is defined to me as AI oh, it's 12 o'clock it must be time for a jam sandwich yes, right and how do you do that like wh- where do you why do you say okay it's time for a jam sandwich because maybe you've done this 10 times before very similarly artificial You've intelligence a jam addiction of some kind oh yeah well, if that, that is another thing. it's 12 o'clock it's 1 o'clock one it must be time, time for another sandwich and it, it's, it's because you've trained your body to think that way right yeah. um, so very similarly so AI is the same thing you give it some piece of information to think a certain way and it comes up with patterns right and there's two ways there's not there's supervised non-supervised I'm not going to say it. let's not give our AI any anxiety problems yeah. <laughs> and all the human conditions yeah. that come with it let's not do that but that yeah the last thing we need is um, <laughs> politics and AI that would be cool um, but well, yeah so some of the you mentioned about politics and AI we do need some regulation around ethics yeah. And the people that are building AI, there's been mm. talk about mm. the lack of diversity that exists mm. within the industry. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Very open question. What yeah. are your thoughts in that space? Look, I, I don't think if you build if you build a supervised, which, which is basically saying, okay, here's a piece of information, make something out of it. Um, in that case, yes, you need to make sure the information you're giving it is an equal representative of what you want that to be so if you are inclined to a certain bias then you're going to feed it a certain bias inherently right um, but maybe unsupervised learning is a little different where you know it 
drives patterns. But at the same time, if the patterns that it drives is based upon information it's exposed to, because you've exposed it to some information, the bias automatically occurs. So yeah, if people are building on sensitive topics, yes, there needs to be diversity in the, not only just the very arbitrary, which is gender, but there needs to be diversity in thought, diversity in age, diversity in class. experience, class, um, uh, diversity in race. There's so many things that you know define diversity that appeal for something. But we, yeah, I, I suppose I was leading on to the fact that people that are are, building it are probably from a more sure um, a smaller sample size. Yeah, sure. And um, I think it comes down to when you're solving massive business problems like that, you need to have a diverse team solving a diverse problem. Like um, quoting yourself or someone else has said it before is, um, "I build products that I would use." Right. That means if I'm building a product for someone that is not representative of who I am, right? Then in that case, I need to have someone who is representative of my audience, right? It's very similarly so like I might not be the best person to sell and do like an online retailer show, a store for women, but a woman most likely might in terms of probability, right? Yeah. So diversity is definitely necessary from the very top level if you're trying to solve a problem on that perspective. But are there measures being put in to ensure these things are being taken care of? Yes, to some level. Can it be improved? For sure. But again, sorry, I, I might have to digress back. But if I'm building a AI algorithm to solve gender bias in hiring, let's go with that, right? If I'm doing that, then most likely for sure, I might not want, I might not say I need a female engineer or uh, a genderless, or whoever. I don't need another person other than myself to solve this. To, to code it but I definitely need opinions from these people so you might be the one programming it as like a, a brown male or a white female whoever it is but you need to have the opinions of the audience you're solving it for right so that that's kind of how I say diversity should be solved in, yeah. in the easiest form is you can have three dudes fixing it for something that's fixing diversity but as long as those three dudes are heavily heavily involved in interviewing women talking to people who identify differently um etc etc making sure that is their their core life is to interview as many of them as possible and introduce those opinions into this yeah like if so they're basically translating what the audience yeah is, right? right like um, collective yeah basically. if you don't want to hire because you think you three are best friends and you don't want to hire someone else on board sure fine but just make sure that you've got the right opinion across right it's just not three people making the decision for someone yeah. else so uh, let me so focus a little bit yeah. on AI there. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. How, what's been the most difficult challenge that you've faced in the last couple of years yeah. to this point? The biggest problem I've faced is not having a cookie cutter solution to everything. <laughs> um, I think the biggest problem everyone faces that you need to when you start off is basically um, identity management. Is What do you want to be known for? And when you get known so for that, branding, branding, yes, yeah. that's the right word. So I think that I, I don't see it's a problem I face. It's just something I've been trying to solve every single day. And it's not a solve. It's just a effort that needs to be put into collate. Yeah, a man management, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's a management. And I think this is with anything that defines different between a business and a hobby is um, having a scalable, repeatable, predictive pipeline of customers mm. if you solve that then you basically have a business if you don't solve that you have a hobby at least from the books that i've read and i think that's a problem that i'm solving every single day because you know we i get a pipeline of 
you know, like 20 people wanting only me to do stuff for them. And then I, because of the market that I'm in in the agency, there's a new technology that comes in. So then I need to work out, okay, how do I now replicate this process in this domain into this domain and then take this domain into this domain. And it's very similar to even if I'm running a SaaS product, I think um, your your audience is an ever evolving audience. Um, you know this, it's a, it's a pyramid where you have 3% are ready to buy, mm-hmm. 17% are in the decision process, 20% are problem aware, and the 60% are you know, the, 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 they're the audience. Make it up the market. <laughs> yeah, they're the rest yeah. of the market. And it's your job to funnel them up the, the, the pyramid as you can. And... Um, I think that's where the problem is for everyone and that's the best like I'm glad that problem exists because that's the most fun part you're trying to solve how I can actually grow this business yeah um, so it's it's the most difficult but at the same time it's the most fun problem to solve yeah and in those two years what's the what's the biggest lesson you've learned the biggest lesson I have learned haha so many <laughs> um, I think the biggest, okay I'll give you top three shit I don't know <laughs> um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the past few years in terms of running the agency and making stuff happen is really knowing what you want out of this is I think having a defined goal for three months six months and one year just a goal right it does not don't do two years don't even know whether your company will last in two years, right? <laughs> Just one year's time, what do you want to get? Like having goals. So the biggest lessons I've learned is having those goals really helped make a big difference in where I wanted to go. Um, business is business is what should businessmen or women say, but I say business is people. That's the biggest lesson I've learned um, is people drive business. You know, there's people a lot of people. people buy people people yeah. don't buy products there's a lot of that and I think it's it's often cliche because it's true is what I, I was going to say we've rattled off the cliches there yeah, one yeah, by yeah, one yeah, yeah. Um, I think the world of business the world of technology technology is full of acronyms yeah um, some of them needed some of them yeah. used to maybe exclude others yeah um, what's yeah. what have you seen in all of the areas mm. that you work mm. in what's the who are the main offenders in that respect oh I think there are many people who offend that area where they try to come off as um, you think complexity defines seniority and I think it's the other way around where I think um, simplicity defines seniority if you can explain this to me in a simple way in English then that's it like take Investopedia right if you if you're an investor you've been to that website and the beautiful part about what they do is they take really complex systems really complex um, investing terminologies and just break it down into Sally buys eggs and James buys you know carrots that kind of thing and I think having the ability to break it down really shows your domain expertise in itself and uh, I think that's another lesson I've learned is yeah it's uh, you need to it's sad that I have to say this, but you almost derive inspiration from Donald Trump that way. Um, I guess it's sad that I have to say it, but when you read, someone did a very great case study on him saying that his vocabulary is actually that of a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know whether that's on purpose or not, but uh, what supposedly that has done is when all these other people use complex words to show their authority, he used very basic English to put his point across. So his audience automatically increased. Yeah. Right, so well, everyone understands what, what well, he's trying to say. Well, right? Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole point, and not like I'm not political. I'm not the one to support him or care about what he does. I think he's a douchebag. But um, the point is, you respect people for what they've done, and I think whether you like it or not, stuff like that is great. Where you think, oh, I'm going to use fancy words and drop stuff to tell people I'm good at what I do, but often or not, 
sure, sprinkle that here and there to put a bit of authority across. But if you really want to put the message through, explain to your customer what you're actually saying. And yeah. that comes down to understanding what you're actually solving. Right? If, if you come to me saying, hey, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to reduce your PPC and set up your LTVs and do your you know, CTA, blah, blah, blah. There's a billion words marketers use a billion times. Um, and, but if all you're trying to say is, hey, we were going to try and make it easy for you to get customers at a cheap rate. Right. Um, there's this thing called pay-per-click, which is where you, you know, someone you pay some website per click. So I will do my best to make sure that you, people are paying less for that. So if you explain that to me, I a get it. I'm educated, and B, I'm like, okay, it, it, he clearly knows what he's doing, so I'm going to use him. So yeah. I think there was important. a there was a series on I can't remember Reddit or something mm-hmm. like that. Explain it to me like I'm five. Five, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's that should be what you're aiming to do with mm. any products, mm. technological or mm. not. Mm. Um, what are you doing? Who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? And how mm. does that affect me as yeah. your consumer? Yeah. So as your consumer, I would label you in three levels, right? If you're an executive that I really need to impress, I'm going to sprinkle it with, it's never a binary switch. I'm going to sprinkle it where here I'm using words and then I'm going to explain those words to you. So you know that I know things that you don't know, right? And, and put it across to you. If you are a general audience that I'm trying to educate on like a speech or like a talk or something of that sort, I'm going to make sure that it's normal English everyone knows. You know, if I'm writing a blog post to a larger audience, in that case, I'll do what I did with the executive, which is try keep it vanilla, um, explain it to everyone, but every acronym or complexity that I use, I would link it to something else. Yeah. Give or take. So someone else has explained it far better yeah, than I can. Know, know your audience, right? Yeah. Know your audience. And this is one-on-one marketing that I've learned again, is you really need to know the day in your buyer. You need to know your buyer. You need to know who they are and what they do and how they think. Because when you can think in them, then you can really understand, oh, this is where they're facing the problem. Maybe I can offer a solution for them over there. Yeah. So it's not a one... That's why, like I said, I wish I had a cookie-cutter solution for everything, but you don't. Yeah. It's, well, it's really interesting to hear you talk about marketing so much mm. Right? Mm. The, the, the technology side of things almost takes a back seat as long as you can convince <coughs> a department within a business that mm. what you're talking about is, is needed solving a problem sure is that what you've experienced well, um, look yes and no I think you need to know what you're doing at yeah. some level you need to know what you're doing at a deeper level if possible I think the reason why I talk more about marketing now is because I've already covered I think I've very strongly covered the technical side so I don't focus on that so to me it's a given that you need to be a good programmer or you need to be someone who's good at managing programmers but the messaging is paramount messaging is absolutely important um, if you put the messaging across it's one of the things right like see we work together. I have no clue about how in-depth your things are, but there's something that when we caught up, you you expressed your message to me, you told me what you're doing, and it was enough for me to be like, cool, this person's kicking off like a couple of years ago, and I know they will do what is necessary and what is needed to be done to make it happen. I don't know what they'll do, whether they're gonna outsource my work to someone else or they'll figure it out themselves. But um, point is, if you put trust across someone to, to make sure they'll get it done, and just leave it to me, I'll make it happen. Um, very much like so. So I don't think if someone hires an agency or freelancer, they need to know every single thing you're doing. If the client does, leave, right? Yeah. Um, they're they're going to be a very painful client. That sounds um, like micromanaging yeah, on a right? level. Exactly. Like when we work together, I'm like, hey, Lee, we need to do this. And then what you do, I have no clue. Like who you talk to, I have no idea. So, But it's that trust you put in. And I think that messaging comes from the trust. At the same time, that trust comes from the fact that you can actually deliver. 
Yeah. So, and as you said before, it's about creating value. Yeah, absolutely. If you do that, then... If you do that, you're all good. And so that's where you need to set a, a line where you're like, okay, I'm not going to sell this person the world and then screw up and become basically a Ponzi scheme. We, we know of a, a recent startup that, uh, a Melbourne-based agency that went through that, I won't name names, but um, where it's basically been labeled as people selling with actually no valuation behind it. So I think there needs to be a balance of... Um, where you can deliver but always sell 20% more than what you can deliver because if you can always sell what you deliver you will never grow as a business so you need to think about yourself too right oxygen mask principle take care of yourself then you can take care of others so always sell 20% you need to set that threshold I guess is I am going to offer this new client 30% more than what I can and what that 30% is unknown I will figure this out but it's still in my reach to figure it out so I would always, and progressively in a year's time, you've got 10 clients, you basically compound on yourself 30% each time. So after a year, not only are you good at what you do, but you offer better services. That's how I would message my, like if, even if I'm offering a product or a service or blah, 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 that's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, we're, we're almost wrapping up now. Yes. Um, got time for a couple more questions. As I said, this is cut the cliches. What yeah. are the cliches that you've heard at events in speaking to people about or even in meetings mm. that you would like to banish from the industry <laughs> you throw me in the, uh, the deep end over here there would have been I'm sure conversations that you've seen a panel at an event oh yeah where um, I think calling yourself an influencer yeah is uh, it automatic I'm going to throw things that I would want gone um, I think calling oh, yourself this is purely yeah, personal yeah yeah calling, <laughs> calling yourself an influencer is yeah Oh, it's cringy. Um, I think it's a title given to you, not a title you claim to yourself. Um, the abuse of the word entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> the abuse, literally, like, take that word and beat it with a stick and then take, like, a rifle and hammer it. Like, that, that is how badly that word is abused. Um, I actually never referenced to myself as an entrepreneur. I as I call myself a founder. You've seen that. Like, if you look at my LinkedIn, I always said founder or director, right? Um... I just think, and there's nothing wrong with that, just, it's a word, but I just feel like there's so many people who just, it's just throw it in there saying, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I think the word entrepreneurial in that every, is very different. In areas where people yeah. have no yeah, 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 yeah. background yeah. or even explanation as yeah. to how they were entrepreneurial. Yeah. I, I think yeah it's one of those things that are there but you know it, it is what it is like I just, just think that I'm like okay I, I find it funny I'm not going to go and complain to people about it I'm just going to dissociate myself from that yeah. word um, do I represent everything that is you know a label for the definition of it yeah I think I do but um, would I call myself that no it's the same as like when uh, and I hold a very strong opinion for this I don't think most people agree with me on this um, I think someone said, when I was in the co-working space at Aona someone said this really well people sitting in the back uh, we were just chit-chatting and one of the senior senior engineers there like um, PhD guy he's like you are not a CEO if you're taking out the bin at your company <laughs> you are not like stop saying you're the CEO you're a founder or you're the, the director or blah 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 the chief executive officer has some meat attached to it bin handling right. basically is yeah. the line that we're drawing yeah right <laughs> bin handling is the line that we're drawing if you're a CEO of one like a one person company honestly people see through that so don't you're hurting yourself by calling I mean, yourself. Just go on LinkedIn. Look at the amount oh, of employees. That, that is like that, exactly right. Um, so I think things like that. It's it's cool and fa- like, I don't know what you're trying to do. It's fancy, but I think the ones who like if you come to me saying you're CEO of a 
one person, whatever. Just call yourself who you are. Be authentic to it. Like own up to. It. I get make it till you know fake it till you make it thing. But if you're faking till you're making it, then like you know make create fake profiles on LinkedIn to make you think that <laughs> fake harder. Basically. Yeah, right. Like fake harder. Like you know I'm 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 all for the hustle. I'm all for you trying to like hustle me to get that. Like if you can, that shows that you've got the ability to do something. But you know if you're calling yourself CEO, at least own up to it, right? Uh, say that you're actually responsible for. You know, all these, it's just so many things. Like executive officer to me means, you know, someone who's been part of layoffs, someone who's had to almost just meet payroll, someone who's like, you've lived a journey, right? Same as a founder. So coming in and just tainting yourself as that, it just is, you know, whatever wins your brand. But it's not my thing. So yeah, I think those those cliches of everyone's a CEO, everyone's a blah, 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 just uh, I find it very funny and cliche-ish and uh, uh, things like what is it called um struggle porn i think that's struggle what people call porn. it struggle porn yeah. is what people call it though uh, i i love gary Vee and what he does i love his messaging but you know where i'm coming with this yeah it's right? a whole uh, cliche that you need to work if you if you don't work hard and you achieve success then you almost don't deserve it right yeah. and the elon musk thing as well like honestly i'll tell you i've been poisoned by this as well where i even if i finish work at like, can I finish work at six? I'm like, no, I need to work because my my idols tell me I need to work 80 hours. I think you need to think like a marketer. Right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, if, if Elon Musk is very famous for this, if your competitor is working 40 hours a week, work 80 hours a week and achieve what they do in 40 hours. Right? Like, you know, d- work double. I think opposite. I think you need to start thinking opposite where yeah. if someone's working 40 <laughs> hours a week, you work 40 hours a week, but do 80 hours worth of work in that or 40 hours. Or work 80 hours and do... Hundreds, Double, yeah. Exactly. So I think that's the mindset that I wish, honestly, honestly, deeply wish I had that mentality when I started. Mm. The business would have been somewhere working else smarter, right now. not harder. Right, and it's it's a that's a cliche thing as well. I think you yeah, need to. I it's know. not mutually exclusive. You need to work smart and hard. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you be a lazy douchebag and do nothing. Um, you need to work smart and hard. You still need to put in eighty hours a week, but you do need to do three hundred hours worth of work in that eighty hours. That is when you're running a successful business, right? Scalable right Um, you're not just doing 80 hours for 80 hours and that's it so that's one cliche thing needs to go is this whole struggle point where you need to struggle and whatever it is people are doing well because they've beat the system take blockchain for example all these crypto people hate them or love them they took their system they they scaled it they grew it and they raised money and hopefully it's not a Ponzi scheme but some of them are actually doing something with it right yeah yeah, that cliche is a bull one, and um, I think the last one was which one can I even think of? The last one is. Sorry, we can end it out this. Yeah, we can. Don't worry about that. It's all good. That's what it is. I can't think of. That's right. Any cliches? We will leave it there on the struggle porn note. V, been amazing. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, if you want to know anything more about Ladder and 5 to 1, where do we go? Oh, check. Actually, my LinkedIn is probably more descriptive than the website. Maybe I'm the bro. Actually, I go to 521.com.au, F-I-B-E number 2 O-N-E.com.au or ladder.ai, L-A-D-D-R. Um, people want to hit you up? And, uh, LinkedIn. Um, like um, LinkedIn is the best way. It's uh, You type in V-A-I-B-H-A-V space Naburi most likely I will be the only one with that name combination but if you type in my first name I'm hoping to the LinkedIn gods that my name is up top there with the rest of them so you most likely see me little bald brown dude that's me <laughs> perfect alright sir well thank you very much for joining me today and look out for Ladder and things to come in the future awesome thank you so much for having me sir cheers